Canucks Central. Mailbag will kick off the final hour of the program here on this deadline Friday. Stan Richo, Satyar Shaw. We're in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 15, no, 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Kintec.net. Stan Richo and Satyar Shaw. So, big weekend upcoming. Canucks and Leafs. $500,000, 50-50. I'm all in, Sat. $500,000. You give me the half milli 50-50, I'm in. in. All right. I might even buy a ticket today. So you get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. Get ahead of the curve. You know, start they, counting my uh, $250,000 like for 24 hours. You they know? do sell out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting ahead of it like the Bull Horvat trade, and you're going to yes. trade your ticket. Going to get ahead of it, yeah. And then you're going to trade your ticket gonna... for something, a surer bet. <laughs> yes. Trade your ticket for 50 bucks. Yes. Tra- yeah. Trade my ticket for 50 bucks. Okay. W- Double you, the money. So a $500,000, I want to tra- think of a uh, of somewhat of an analogy that's not perfect, and, it, and it's not serious, so don't take it seriously. Complete joke here. Yeah. Would it, for you, for you to trade that ticket in for certainty? Mm-hmm. Like how much certainty? Would you do it for two thousand? Yeah, I would. You would? Yeah. So you're worse than the Canucks. I mean, I've never won like a fifty-fifty in my life. No, though. I know, but like, but, but <laughs> I, I, hey, the Canucks aren't taking. It's, again, it's not a clean example. Okay, yes. so bear with me. Like the Canucks aren't taking the same long shot odds of trying to win a fifty-fifty <laughs> with the first round pick they traded, but they they traded away a high potential of some uncertainty mm-hmm. for certainty. Yeah, you would do it for two grand. I mean, I could book a vacation with that. That'd be nice. <laughs> Maybe pay some bills, not have to worry about, you know, yeah, rent know. this month sort of thing. Know. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Yeah. yeah I mean, but but if, I, if, I, if I'm throwing my hat into a $500,000 payout, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not banking it in that quickly. Why not? But, like, what are the odds you win? <laughs> <laughs> so someone's like, hey, that 20 bucks you might get back, right. I'll give you two grand for okay, it. Okay, what's better? Our chance at winning the 50-50 tomorrow or this iteration of the Canucks? So why do you guys have such a problem with the Canucks trading the draft pick then? Like, you guys are telling me here, why would you do that? You're, be- you're, you're cashing it in on a good thing. And you're sitting here saying you wouldn't... You're I saying- don't like your 40. <laughs> <laughs> I was just setting you up for that. Man. All right. It's the mailbag. Let's get to it. Oh, the best music of the week. Mailbag, you send in questions. We answer as many as we can over the next 25-ish minutes. Sat sends out a tweet earlier in the day, and you ask questions on that thread. We answer as many as we can. Uh, Producer Josh Elliott-Wolf. We will start with this one from Steve. Uh, The details on the Miller trade with Pittsburgh. Turning it down and saying we needed center or a center slash players coming back tells the fans that this isn't a rebuild. We are at the bottom of all offensive and defensive categories in the NHL. How bad does it have to be before a rebuild is what we do? That's what told you it wasn't a rebuild? What, what about, <laughs> That's what about yesterday? What about signing Miller to the contracts? What about the, the heroic heroic trade? <laughs> no! It was the Signing rumor. Andre Kuzmenko to a two-year deal. It was the Miller rumor. 
that did did the person in. Okay, I, I like I I I need to say something about the Miller rumors. Today. Mm. Not that I want to dispute mm-hmm. some things that were said by very credible hockey insiders, right? Yeah. Like Darren Dreger gets more news and inside info in his sleep than I do on a regular basis. However, <laughs> yeah, but all right. However, all right. Let's see what you got. It just felt to me that the details of whatever trade discussions the Canucks and Pittsburgh Penguins had were one-sided. They felt as though they came from one side of the party involved in trade discussions and that not all details were disclosed because... A couple of picks. Well, what does a couple of picks mean? Second and a fourth round? Like, what, what kind of picks are we talking about? How would they deem a good package for JT Miller? The Canucks might view it as two first-round picks. Sounds about right. Whereas other teams are saying, we're taking on a $56 million contract. Probably not two first-round picks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they wanted a center. Well, yeah, a lot of teams would like a young center. If we think about the traditional sort of trade for a top-end player, it's generally a nice draft pick, a top prospect, and then some other kind of piece, either a lower-end draft pick or maybe a roster player. So I just... I did, Not everything at, was adding up for me with whatever details were coming out about the JT Miller discussions with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not to say they didn't happen, because they clearly have, if enough people are reporting it, I just don't know if some of the particulars that were being reported should be taken as gospel. I mean, there is a lot here that we can't fully confirm. And there's when there's this much variance in the story, yeah. something's off. Like, something's yeah. clearly off. And it's really difficult to find out what it is. I know that, and we heard Alvin talk about it. We had it on. We had him on. He said there's nothing there to it at all. Every time I checked in with somebody with the Canucks, and I've checked in with numerous sources with the Canucks, and mm-hmm. each one hasn't just been like, no, that's not true. It's like like blistering at it not being true. Like, this is yeah. ridiculous. Like, it's not, none of this is true. I know Friedman mentioned something similar. We talked about this. Does that mean that's true? Who knows? All we can see, tell you is what we hear, right? Yeah. And people have their sources on this. One thing I will say, though, and I understand the frustration about if there was two first-round picks on the t- or there was uh, good draft picks on the table. If that's the case, if there's actually enough interest in JT where Carolina called, mm-hmm. where Pittsburgh called, and Pittsburgh was aggressive and willing to trade picks and take on the contract, does that not mean there would be a market around the player at the draft? There will be a market around the player at the draft. So if there's a market around the player at the draft, and if they're actually truly willing to move the player— then could they get the valuation? And they've done a good job of either paying the right valuation in many trades. We'll talk about Aronic one. Obviously, is a bit higher price, but they waited it out on Bear. They waited it mm-hmm. out on Kravtsov and some of the other moves and got a player for cheaper instead of making the wrong deal. They made the right move on Horvat getting assets back in return. That's kind of where it's at. I uh, I agree with a lot of you know that assessment. You think about the draft. Look, right now, trading a player like Miller is very difficult in season. We know that. Yeah. And, the- and we always said, like, I always, I even said two weeks ago, don't be surprised to hear JT trade rumors. I don't think it's going to happen by the by the deadline. The draft, different story, more realistic. We were ahead of it before anybody, uh, just to pat ourselves on the back. Because, <laughs> you know, 
we don't do it often enough, I think. Um, on this every day. <laughs> <laughs> often, Sat will come in and okay. be like, remember how right I was? Yes. So We're always flexing it. So if, let, let's say, you're looking at JT Miller. If he was, as he was slated to be before he signed the contract with the Vancouver Canucks, a free agent this summer. Let me, like, let's spell this out a little bit. Like, who else is on the free agent market this summer? Right now, the highest scoring pending unrestricted free agent from a forward position is Max Domi. Hmm. You're telling me Max Domi is better than JT Miller? Sorry, not buying that. Patrick Kane, okay, fair. Yeah, he's pretty good. Big scorer, has other question marks. He's also 34 now, so he's not getting a big deal. Um, Alex Kalorn. Yeah. JT Comfer. Michael Bunting. Vladimir Tarasenko, Thomas Tatar, Jason Zucker. Like, what are we talking about here? J.T. Miller would be the number one free agent target from a forward position. He would still get the seven years, $56 million from somebody in free agency if he was still slated to go there. Mm -hmm. That is, like, when they said J.T. left a little bit of money on the table to sign early last summer with the Canucks, they weren't necessarily lying. In the same way that Horvat felt he was worth a lot more than what the Canucks were offering him. And he was right. So I would say, yes, the JT Miller contract is not ideal, especially for where the Canucks are right now. But it's not an albatross of a contract in the way that some people have made it out to be. Because other teams would sign it. And if he was a free agent, somebody else would have signed it. This one from JMO. Why didn't the Canucks become a third party in a trade like so many other teams did? Even a fifth rounder is better than nothing. They didn't. They didn't get in on it. I mean, I know. I know they tried. Even Alvin mentioned they considered it. They just Patrick felt it. the uh, juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Which means it, it, clearly there's a budget to do things. Yeah. And did it make sense for them to pay out a few hundred thousand dollars for the best pick that got traded was a third mm-hmm. to retain salary? Yeah. Zaitsev was different because he took on a salary for next season in yep. terms of just playing, you know, a third was the highest. Most were fourth or fifths. Mm-hmm. So, you know, h- how willing were they organizationally to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars for that traffic? Underrated part of, like, Ottawa acquiring Jacob Chikrin, they had to send out Nikita Zaitsev to do it. So yeah, it's, it's a, a lot more draft pick. capital than yeah. they did just by uh, from what they sent to the Arizona Coyotes to get Chikrin. Um Look, if we were talking about a second or third round pick, maybe. Uh, but the other thing that we've talked about here is retention. And are the Canucks potentially going to need those retention slots when it comes to draft time? They're using one already. They have two open. And what's the what, what is it worth to you to use that retention slot? Yeah, because as we know right now, they are projecting to be above the salary cap. So you may need those retention slots in order to move out a player before the July 1st uh, new league year sort of thing. Uh, This one comes from Danny. For being a copycat league, why are the Canucks not seeing the impact of having a team built from the draft? Well, so I didn't build enough from the draft. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so, so in terms of like copycat league goes, when teams are in Vancouver's position, when they have the players Vancouver already has, yeah, they generally don't take a huge step back. Nope. 
they do a couple things, you know, like they'll move a Horvat like Vancouver did and they'll do a couple moves, but it's not like this massive step back. The teams that are taking that step back are the ones that don't have that centerman, that don't have the defenseman and they don't have the goalie and, and they don't have some of those core players. And I still understand, and I get like, hey, we, we've all sat here and talked about taking your time and doing all that stuff, but that's not generally what teams do. So, like, Detroit's in a different position because they have Dylan Larkin now. They signed to a contract. They have yeah. Moritz Sider, but they're still on that building trend going up, and they have kind of have capital waiting for them to, to loosen up. And they went from a very big low where Sider came out and became a player for them recently that allowed them to go up there. Yeah. Most of these teams make one or two moves and try to rebuild. That's what the Blues did. But that's what the Blues are doing right now as we speak. Like, and even the Washington Capitals are moving some guys, but... They're going to be right back being aggressive, trying to build again next year yep. around Ovechkin and those guys. It's like a take a half a step back and then leap forward. It's the teams that are that feel they're farther away that take the bigger steps back. Uh, Nashville's probably a team that isn't going to stay on the sidelines for too long, I would yep. imagine. They don't view rebuilding as a good business proposition for them as a franchise. So, look, the Canucks aren't the only ones that operate this way. And it's just the heavy rebuilds. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them. And you can even look. Yes, you can look at every Stanley Cup team and say they required drafting high in order to get the impact pieces, the franchise type pieces that win you a Stanley Cup. But almost all of them had to go through a sort of second period where they dropped back down the standings. (laughs) Right? Like. Tampa did it. Uh, L.A. did it. Chicago is probably the best example, but they tried to come out of their rebuild and had very little success before they finally started to. They were also mostly an incompetent franchise for the early 2000s until they started to figure it out again. Um, St. Louis is the only one that, you know, you know, kind of just looks like They just kept building and building and knocking on the door until they finally had a breakthrough. But that's what a lot of these teams go through. Colorado, you know, started moving up the standings, then fell back down again. There's just not a whole lot of these, like, true deep, deep rebuilds that have turned out and brought the ultimate success. Even the Edmonton Oilers, you know, they they tried to come out of it with Taylor Hall and Nugent Hopkins, and it didn't work. They dropped back down, and they ended up drafting Connor McDavid. So... Um, it's look, there's no one way to build a hockey team. Uh, there is a way that provides a more probable way of success, but uh, that's not the way the Canucks are choosing. Ella is the off season priority now giving or now getting Pedersen to resign. If he doesn't want to, what do they do next? I don't think they're making these moves unless they have a good sense of signing Pedersen. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that it's, it's as undetermined. You know, like, I don't think they're doing this to convince him. I think they think they're going to be good. Yeah. And they're not going to do something. Like, if he says, if he if he doesn't want to be here, I think they'd have the indication already. I don't see how you uh, have confidence in this build working without Elias Pettersson here long term. Exactly. Chicken or the egg, how do you view it? Yeah. Right? But either way, I just, I just don't see it. I could be wrong on this. I just don't see it. And part of the reason, you know, they are making sure they make moves to make this team better is to give Pedersen an idea that, you know, we're, we're trying to be good. I don't know if I agree with the logic, but I feel that's part of the reason. This one from Todd Naslin. What's the bigger mistake, the OEL trade or not signing Elias Pedersen long-term? Oh, not signing 
Elias Pettersson long term. Like to his, in, like the oh, bridge as, deal. Oh, as, oh, of, oh, oh, the question in oh, as in having signed him or signing him or losing yeah, him. It's so a if question. You could, like undo one. Would you rather have Pedersen locked up long term? Oh, the OEL deal. Oh yeah, OEL. Deal. If you could, like, if there were take backsies on on anything, yeah. like that's the one you you do the take back. And honestly, I don't mind. Okay, so if the salary cap actually goes back in three years, yeah, goes up in three years and goes up in a couple of years, like I actually don't mind. Uh, how it worked out with Pedersen because you're going to have him locked up for eight years beyond this up until he's what 32 yeah so it's right through his prime every single prime year you have right whereas if you would assign him to an eight-year deal then yeah. and then the next contract at 28 you would have had to pay him or 29 you're looking at an eight-year deal until he's 37 now you're like oh man that's a bit tougher not that you know he's going to probably be here until then anyways but if the cap goes up I don't mind necessarily how it worked out with Pedersen as much as you wish you had some more space I, but it, to me, it's always been overblown, the the bridge deal for Pedersen. As we talked about, you know, he was looking at ten million. Maybe you could have talked him down to nine and a half over an eight year deal. But you know, we're talking about close to eighty million dollars. I don't think he would have signed for under ten. Yeah. So, and now we're talking about eleven million per. Yeah. Maybe a shade more. To me, it's not that much of a difference from what he was asking at the end of his entry level to where he's probably lining up now. And that's because of the flat cap. Like if we didn't live through COVID and the, and the cap was still going up and up and up and up, then yeah, it would have been a very different conversation. But we've seen other teams like, you know, the Leafs are, are a good example where they expected the cap to go up, so Matthew's contract would be less prohibitive than it has been, but it didn't go up. So I think it actually worked out for the Canucks in the end that they went through the, the bridge deal, especially if Pedersen signs for about $11 million per this summer. LJ, if the Canucks pick needs to play, or their their upcoming first rounder needs to play in the next year or two, does that take Matvey Mitchkov off the table if he's still there when they pick knowing that he's going to be in the KHL until 2026. And so I, I say no, because if you're looking at two years, why not wait the extra year? And when he steps in, he's probably going to step in and score 30 goals. Yeah, he's probably going to have uh, Kuzmenko-like impact. Yeah, or Kaprizov-like like impact. Yeah. You know, that's what his upside is. So as much as you'd hate to wait the extra year, it's more likely than the other guys we're talking about who come in in two years and take some time to get... Like, whoever comes in from this draft outside of Fantilli... Well, outside of Bedard, I'd say. I'd yeah. say Fantilli and Carlson still need a little bit of time. So let's say their ETA is a year away. That means they're two years away from making an impact. So that means three years. Mitchkov can step into your lineup in three years and make an impact based on the type of player he's projecting to be and having the time in the KHL. And there's a proof of concept for players stepping in from the KHL right away with some experience and being really good. We yeah. saw it with Ovechkin. We saw it, obviously, with some other players because uh, Ovechkin had to wait a year, wait a year. And he came in and he blew the doors off everybody, right? We saw it with Kaprizov. We yep. seen it with Kuzmenko a bit older. But I would still take Mitchkov. And I don't think, I don't know, I can't say this yet. I hope the organization isn't against it because it fits their timeline. Yeah. He's not here, but he'll step in and play for you right away. He is an incredible offensive talent. He is. Like, he's going to score goals, man. A yeah. lot of goals. His offensive instincts are through the roof. Uh, really fun to watch from the little tape that I've uh, dived into so far. Uh, all right. 
They Next. also like Russians. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, big yeah. fan. We're already adding Gavrikov to the roster, so Who's why not Mitchkov? Yeah. Do, does he have an agent? Do we know? <laughs> it's probably going to be Milstein. You know, yeah. if you look at the <laughs> the Russian clientele in the league, it's mostly Milstein. Uh, this one from Kobe. Considering Andre Kuzmenko was on pace for 70-ish points this season, would you bet the over or under on Kuzmenko to record 70 next season? Oh, man. Uh, goals might come down. Assists might go up. Yeah, uh, so what I would do, and this is not because I doubt Kuzmenko. This is mostly because bet the under on players, number one, repeating really big years, even first big Mm -hmm. years, and having a healthy season is very difficult to do. So I wouldn't bet on 70 points. I bet the under on 70, but that's not to say I I doubt his his potential. I'm just not betting on him breaking 70 points next year. And he might be a better player at 65 points and 25 goals next year than he's been this season. This is uh, why Sack gives props. He bets uh, with his mind, not with his heart, you know? <laughs> I'm taking the over every day of the week. He well, plays with Pedersen, he's getting the over. Well, the way you're cashing bets, maybe that is the right move. <laughs> maybe he'll be on a. Uh, well, it took 47 one. seconds for Kaprizov to score last Unreal. night. Unreal. I love it. That was wild. It's great. And I, I felt my take on Twitter was one of my best ever. Not to, like, pat my own back again for the second time Been in one that. segment. Been doing, doing that a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> It's flex day. We're flexing today. But the Minnesota Wild have been the same team for 20 years. Just replace Gabrick with Kaprizov. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what people are like. See, look at Minnesota. They're I'm like they're not fun. Like Minnesota's not a fun team to watch. Especially these last couple of weeks. They just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's like Kaprizov's fun. Everything else is not so much fun. No, no doubt. Uh, this one, we'll go to the text box. What are the chances that Elias Patterson takes a haircut contract to help set the internal cap structure, or did this management group already screw that up with JT Miller? Uh, I mean, determine haircut. Ultimately, like Patterson probably provides, if you want to like break it down analytically, I would say you know he probably already provides close to eleven million dollars. I'd value. say twelve. Yeah, and I know people will be like, no, no way. But look at the value. I mean, just look at players around the league. Mm-hmm. Look at his production. Look at his differentials and how yeah. positive he impacts play. Guys like that are worth double digits, twelve to thirteen million. I'm actually downplaying it. I mean, some of the an- analytical models have him at thirteen to yeah. fourteen million in terms of how he's played this season. I take some of that off because just just shade a bit lower on those things. I fade some of the higher end on it because it is somewhat subjective, even though they have great numbers to back that stuff out because the league in in and of itself is not going to pay 14 million for a guy like that. You know what I mean? It's just the reality of the market versus what the, what the projections are are somewhat slightly different, but I'd say he's worth about 12 million. So if he signs for 11, that's taking a haircut. The true contract value from Vancouver's perspective may be closer to 11. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why you're looking at him maybe taking anywhere from seven hundred to five hundred thousand dollars less per year is your discount. Yeah. And generally speaking, that's what players give. Like you look around the league and look at even Matthews, you look at Sidney Crosby and McKinnon and, and all the, and, and Connor McDavid. Their discounts aren't like a million and a half or two million per season. Yeah, it's a few hundred thousand. That that's what the discounts are. And, and every bid helps. You get everybody like this, this. is what the argument was even back in the day was you get everybody to 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 give back two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand. That adds up incrementally. And now all of a sudden you have a $3 million player. So you're not asking a guy to hold back a million or two. You're asking a few hundred thousand. Even Crosby, like you can probably say right now he has a, like the best contract in the league at $8.7 million, um, two years left after this one. But, you know, it was signed. When did he sign it? 2012 he signed it. A 12-year deal. At the time, 
it was 14.5% of the cap. <laughs> you know, so it sounds great now, but back then it was a huge chunk of the salary cap. You do the quick math on that, $82.5 million is the salary cap right now. 14.5% of that is $11.9 million. Yeah, $12 million. Right? So is Crosby getting, like, if he were to sign that contract today, oh, Crosby's taking $12 million. Bucks. Yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, because he signed this contract 12 years ago, it uh, doesn't sound as bad. We will end with this one. Uh, coming up, Shorthouse says, I asked for your advice a few weeks ago regarding a woman I met on Tinder who was a Leafs fan. The consensus was that I should give her a chance. Well, we went out, and she was a complete weirdo. Last time I get love <laughs> advice from Sports Talk Radio. Oh, man. I, I, well, I, uh, I apologize, uh, I think. Our but, bad. Uh, you, you know... Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes I'm wrong. What can I say? Can you repeat that again? You swing okay. and miss. So, this person coming up short house, I don't know if you remember, a few weeks ago uh-huh. said they they asked for our advice regarding a woman they met on Tinder who was a Leafs fan. The right. consensus was that they should give her a chance. Right. They went out. She was a complete weirdo. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, I, I still stand by my decision. I Got still it. think it was yeah. right. process was correct. Result was bad. Sometimes that happens. You I'm not apologizing to you. I, I'm not apologizing <laughs> to you. I think you should. I mean, I don't think that should be a deal breaker because you might find the love of your life mm-hmm. and you're going to not love, love that person because they like a hockey team you don't like. Yeah. Could they be perfect in every way for you, but then you're going to let that go because they, they like a hockey team you don't like? That, that's illogical. I probably would. No, you wouldn't. No. You're so full of it. <laughs> you're so, I mean, like, come on. Yeah. I, like I said the story at the time, like I don't, you know, I'm a Juventus fan, so I like things black and white. Don't like when uh, my partner wears the other team's colors, you know, black and blue or anything like that. It's triggering. Maybe that's that's probably a me thing, but maybe I'm a weirdo. I don't know. That's the uh, Maybe the, Dan's a little. The other part of this is we now don't. Now I'm quoting Wedding Crash. Maybe so. coming up short house is the weirdo. <laughs> Maybe she left, and she was like, Ugh, I don't know about that. He should have invited her to the Canucks Leafs game. Well, but if she if she is weird, then yeah. you gotta, you gotta I mean, that's a big night. ticket investment, though. Yeah. Like, that's a big, uh, that's, that's not it's kind a of a pricey date first date. Yeah. But, you know, can you survive together at a Canucks Leafs game? Because if you can, that might be a fruitful relationship. I will say, Canucks Leafs games at Rogers Arena... One of the most fun things. They're fun. They're a great time. Uh, I wonder just, like, I think Canucks fans might be cheering for the Leafs tomorrow as well, though. Tank, baby. Uh, this one says, uh, come on, at least she's a hockey fan. Agree. And this one says, what if she's a Bruins fan? Same logic holds. <laughs> Same logic holds, man. Don't don't get let trivial things get in the way of true love if there's some such a thing out there for you. Yeah. That's all I say. Isn't Bergeron only two and a half million on the cap? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, but good he's like luck. Thirty-seven, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's a different story. And the guy's banked with a hundred million dollars in his career. Yeah, he's he's all right. So you're talking about a, a completely different stage uh, of his career. And look at the contracts he had before that, right? But yeah. we'll see how much how many more years the Bruins are able to keep this thing together. If the Canucks have won a Stanley Cup and been to another Stanley Cup, and Pedersen is thirty-seven years old, maybe he'll take two and a half million too. <laughs> Uh, it's Stan Richo, Satyar Shah coming up.
We'll listen back on our conversation with Patrick Alvine on Canuck Central.